If you would, get your Bibles out with me, and you can go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Here in just a moment, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 6. Church, today what I want to do is just complete our series, Navigating Through Uncertainty. Now, just because we are completing the series today, that certainly does not mean that we're through with the season that is upon us. Because we got some weeks ahead of us, and we've probably got some months ahead of us of what we're going through right now with the pandemic, with the election that's coming on, and just with all the things that's going on within our culture. We know as the day of the Lord approaches that there's going to continue to be things that unfold, things that we will have to go through. We know that our faith will continue to be under attack. We know that there's not a day goes by where the enemy is trying to destroy your faith. You'll hear in a moment, he, he, may not, he may not be able to take your salvation from you, but boy, he'll work against your faith, and he'll try to get you into a place where you've lost your voice and you've lost your, your impact of, of what God is doing in and through your life. And so as we continue to navigate through this season, let's continue to hold on to where, what God is speaking into us and how he is leading us. We've been in 2 Timothy. We know that this is the Apostle Paul writing to the young Timothy. Uh, of course, Paul was Timothy's mentor. We know that Timothy is going to be pastoring churches in the region. He'll be a pastor of pastors. He'll be going and speaking to the churches. We know that it is his job to be able to keep them together, to hold on to the truth and the faith of Jesus Christ, to help them have organization, to help them have vision, to help them move forward in the way that God would have the church to continue to move forward. Paul writes this from a prison cell. He knows that he is coming to the end of his life. You will see it here in his closing remarks as he speaks to Timothy. He writes this in a very personal matter. I've said that each week, but also as you and I read it today, we are to receive it as though he is writing directly to us because it is the word of God that's moving inside of our lives. So as we conclude this series, I want to take you to these last few verses. We're going to pick it up in verse number six. Now, this is a continuing thought, obviously. Last week, we read the first five verses where he's given that charge to Timothy to preach the word, to live according to the word, to let the word of God really do this work inside of you each and every single day. And now he continues on with this thought. So I want you to go with me. Verse number six, Paul to Timothy, this is what he writes. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering in the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. I love the hope and the expectation in which he writes. Because even in this moment, he still desires to see Timothy. Not knowing whether it will happen or not, he has an expectation that he would be able to see his friend and his student and his brother in Christ. He goes on to say in verse number 10, for Demas, who once was a follower, says, is in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for the ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. 
Now when you come, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus at Troas, and also the books, and above all, the parchments. Now Alexander the coppersmith, he did me great harm, and the Lord is going to repay him according to his deeds. But Timothy, beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Now at my first defense, the first when he was in prison and he was being persecuted, he says, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Now, may it not be charged against them, but it is the Lord who stood by me, and it is the Lord who strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, he goes on in those final remarks, and you'll see in a little bit, I want to read this because I think it's highly important. Verse 19. Greet Prisca and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Ebulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit, and grace be with you. I want to take just the next few moments to look at a couple of thoughts that I see personally that I want to share with you as Paul gives these final words to Timothy. As Timothy navigates through the season which he is in and all the uncertainty that is before him, I believe you and I continue to gain from these very words that Paul spoke to him. The first thought I would share with you is this. Paul is saying to Timothy, cross the finish line with your faith unbroken. He said in verse 7, a scripture that many of you have deep in your heart, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Without doubt, Paul realizes his time on earth is short. He has absolutely no regards in giving his life to Christ and living for Jesus. Now, I love the Apostle Paul because when you study his writings, we understand that he did not start out strong for Jesus. Matter of fact, he opposed the faith. He opposed Jesus Christ. He opposed the church. He was a persecutor of the church. But then Jesus got a hold of him, and it changed his life. And what I love about the Apostle Paul is he says, I don't look behind me, and I don't look at that life, and I don't live as a victim, and I don't live as someone who has all these regrets about what he did at first, because I lived in foolishness. I lived without Christ. I knew no better. But when Jesus came into my life, I gave everything I had to him, and I have no regrets from every day forward what Jesus has done in and through me. Absolutely no regrets. He's been a good soldier. He's gone the distance in the ring. He has ran the race faithfully, and now he is ready to cross that finish line, and he's ready to receive his reward. So when we look at his life for more than 30 years in the face of persecution and all the uncertainty that was before him, Paul ran with courage, he ran with confidence, and he ran with this just continual spiritual passion. We know that he endured trial after trial after trial, and he never lost focus and so he's pouring this example into young Timothy and saying, Timothy, just as I have, you will do the same. 
He teaches Timothy. He teaches you and I that if we will follow his example, that we too, we're going to cross the finish line. Now, I love the Apostle Paul because he uses illustrations that I can relate to. Not that I'm this great runner or that I've ever ran any type of race. I think I did in junior high, and I can tell you I did not win. But anyway, uh, and then the coach put me on the shot team, and I thought I was really awesome because I threw it further than all my friends. And then we went through our first track meet, and I got there, and I think I threw mine about 10 feet, and everybody else threw theirs about 40 feet. So that was the end of my track days, all right? I didn't last very long. But I love the way he uses these illustrations that, that, that we can really relate to. And he uses this one often as far as running our race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, he writes, Don't you realize that in a race every one of us runs, but only one person gets the prize? So you run to win. All athletes, uh, they are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize uh, that will fade away. But we do it as Christians, as believers, for an eternal prize. So he says, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just beating to, into the air. I'm not just shadow boxing. But every single day as I live this life, Life. As I navigate through this, I'm running my race for Jesus Christ, and he is helping me along the way. And so he continues this thought as he gives it into Timothy as well. He spoke about running the race to the church of Galatia, but also we will find it in Acts. We know that Luke is writing Acts, and he's speaking of Paul. And of course, he writes as, as though Paul is speaking and sharing the story. If you go with me for a minute, in Acts chapter 20, verse number 22, this is what the scripture tells us. It says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships, all this persecution, all of this uncertainty, it's all facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So I go there and I'm backtracking a little bit in Paul's life because Timothy understands this as Paul is writing this letter and as he is speaking to them. And what he shows us multiple times over is that we can navigate through uncertainty and we can do it with our faith intact. What he is speaking to this young man is, Timothy, yes, there will be lots before you. Things known, things unknown. Lots of persecution, lots of hardships. People are going to work against you. Satan is constantly going to be putting something before you, trying to attack who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ, your purpose and your passion. It's all going to, he's always constantly going to be trying to work against you. But I'm here to tell you, Timothy, you can navigate through this season that God has called you for and purposed you, and you will too cross the finish line. And I would say to Kuita Assembly, he has called us and he has given us purpose in every step. And we too, if we'll just continue to hold on to our faith, we will cross this finish line of this season in our life right now. Amen. Now, here's what I love about studying the Apostle Paul's life. I'm not going to read it this morning, but I encourage you to go and read Acts chapter 20. Just a, a portion, a snapshot of the apostle's life, verses 17 through 36, because Paul's speaking here and he even talks about some of the things that's happening in his life. It shows us the type of character that an individual really needs to embrace in moments of hardship and difficulties and uncertainty. When you go and you look at this, now in my notes, I have it broken down here, but in verse 19, we see that he constantly remained humble. 
In other words, he was always glorifying God. He knew where his strength came from. I love the song that Ben introduced to us this morning because the Lord will fight the battle, win the victory, and then he'll say, hey, it's your victory, and he just gives it to us. The Apostle Paul understood that all the things that were happening in his life and all the good things that he would receive, that was God doing it for him. And he remained, he he just had this humble spirit about himself. And he remained compassionate towards the people in which he ministered to, to the church, to the believers, and also to the unbelievers. You continue on and you continue through that text there in Acts and you'll see that he showed no favoritism. He writes, he says, I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. And I love that because what I gather when I study his life, once he gave his life to Christ, he was no longer on the side of man or the side of an organization. He was not on the side of someone that made up something for people to join. He was on the side of Jesus Christ. And when I would speak to you today, and I know that you have incredible opinions, and I value all of your opinions, but I would say don't chase after the side of a man. Chase after being on the side of Jesus Christ. Choose that. I know you have your party affiliation. I know that you have a certain way that you're going to vote in the upcoming election. I know you have your certain thoughts and your ideas as you walk throughout the day. But can I encourage you, if you want to stay free and if you want to stay strong and you want to have your faith intact, choose the side of Jesus Christ every single day. Because he'll give you the ability to discern. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the direction to be able to make the decisions that you need to make and be involved with the things that you need to make. I will not be the pastor that stands behind this pulpit and say, you need to vote this way or you need to do this or you need to do that. What I would say is choose what Jesus would have you to do in your life because Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit will always help us land on truth. Now, I know I I get a lot from this thought, but I just love the way that when Paul ministered and Paul moved, there was no favoritism in what he did. He just wanted to present Jesus Christ and walk with Jesus Christ. And I think that's a great thing to hold on to. You continue on reading that passage as he navigated through his times of uncertainty. His life was dedicated to God's purpose. We've already seen that in his words that I have read from Scripture. But here in verse 24, he says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work that has been assigned to me by our Lord and Jesus Christ. He goes on to talk about how he never backed down from speaking the truth, and he spoke the truth fearlessly. He loved people and not material things. The scripture will tell us that during these times, he worked hard for himself to supply his needs, but also the needs of others. I love verse 35 because Paul chooses to show us what it is to be a giver and not be a taker. And he had such a spirit of generosity about him. And then in verse 36, when you finish that there in Acts, you will see that he consistently demonstrated complete trust in God. Now, I took you there because I needed to give you that little snapshot of his life. Because he, as he writes to Timothy, Timothy understood this. Because Timothy had heard him speak. And Timothy had watched his life. Timothy had seen his struggles. He had seen his struggles firsthand. He knew what Paul was sharing with him. And so as he receives this, 
Don't you know that he has been strengthened within because he is receiving this in a manner where Paul is speaking to him saying, Timothy, you're going to have some days where maybe it's pretty exciting. It seems like everything is going right. But then you're going to have those days filled with just uncertainty. And you don't know what's coming. It's going to hit you from the left. It's going to hit you from the right. Something's going to rise up against you. There's going to be a negative report. Maybe there will be things that happen to you. But in all of this, Timothy, as I close my letter out to you and as you get ready to be launched out and you pastor these churches and you go and you share the gospel and you be the light of Christ as you do this in all of this in which you will faith every single day make sure you hold on to your faith and when you cross the finish line make sure your faith is intact and not only intact Timothy I pray your faith is even stronger you know when I think about the apostle Paul crossing the finish line with his faith intact I'm going to venture out to say there was quite a few battle scars that he carried with him. We know that physically he had to have some battle scars because he had been persecuted. He had been beaten with rods. He had been, he'd been had rocks thrown at him. He had been stoned. He'd been dragged out of the city gate. So we know that he had some physical scars. But we know that he had emotional, uh, emotional and mental scars as well. So when he crossed the finish line, I can tell you he had looked like he had been in a fight for his life. Because the last thing I want to do as your pastor is present to you, have your faith and have it intact and you have in your mind that you're going to cross it without a scratch and there's not going to be any dirt and there's not going to be any sweat stains and there's not going to be just a person that's been beat up. I mean, I want you to finish strong and I want you to be confident when you cross that finish line, but just know you may not look as good as what you did when you first started. You may look like you've been through it a little bit, right? That's okay because what matters is, what matters is, is you never laid your faith aside. Again, I want to tell you, you can choose. I believe with all of my heart that you can choose to walk away from the faith of Jesus Christ. I believe it's much harder than we make it out to be at times because when Jesus has saved you, why would you ever want you to turn your back against him? So I know that Satan cannot take away your salvation, but I know that he is going to attempt all the time to cause you to lean on the side of doubt. So he's going to attack your faith. He's going to attack what's going on in your personal life. He will attack your beliefs. He will attack your physical life. He will attack your home. He's going to do everything possible to get you to lean on the side of doubt. Because if you begin to lean on the side of doubt, it begins to impact you. In other words, your passion begins to die down. That light is not burning as bright. It begins to impact you in the way that you carry yourself, in the words that you choose to use, in your relationships with your husband or your wife or with your children or your grandchildren, with your coworkers. It just begins to impact you. When you just lean on the side of doubt, you may still say over here, oh, but I love Jesus and I'm going to make it to heaven someday if I can just hold on. But if you're leaning towards the side of doubt, it's going to just really impact you in a negative way and so I see here in this letter Paul is speaking to me saying Timothy you're going to be in a fight you're going to be in a race there's going to be uh, you're going to be in a war a spiritual war that is around you can I tell you in all of this keep your faith intact and when you cross that finish line you cross it and that faith is strong it is strong you know in this season we've had many of our families including many of you that are sitting here and all of us. I know that we have been attacked in multiple ways. I know that there have been individuals that where the enemy is just trying to do everything possible to suppress their faith and their belief and their trust. They've been physically attacked. Financially, family after family after family 
having to navigate through these waters of uncertainty. Some are on fixed incomes and many are not. Many own their own businesses. They're responsible for paying employees and taking care of other families. They got to pay all of that overhead. They got to pay their bills. You have to pay your mortgage and your rent. And you know, we, we maybe get that stimulus check and we're like, okay, that's good. Can I tell you, that's not going to keep you going forever. You know that, right? And you know that we've got to function and we've got to have finances and it's got to move. But can I tell you, the enemy will try during this time to really work against you. But I would say to you, hold on to your faith. Wake up each morning. Get into the word of God. Lift up your praise to him. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Put your hands to do what God has called you to do. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Let your faith be strong. And I'm a firm believer that God will always see you through. Always. I can go back to many, many seasons in my life. I can go back to after I was first married. And I can tell you, when we were first married, we didn't have a lot coming in the door. Very little coming in the door. And so there were many a times that I would allow the enemy to really impact my mind. And I would find myself staying up at night. I would find myself being really stressed. I would find myself, you know, you know, stress eating or just not sleeping well and just being tired. And then I would find myself trying to work harder to achieve something that really was unachievable. And working harder wasn't changing anything because my mind wasn't in the right place. So I'd find myself, I was just spinning in circles and, and trying to find the answers and trying to provide. And every time I would lean the direction on doubt, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how we're even going to pay the mortgage this month. And I, would, and I would lean there. It would really impact me. And I would have over here in the side of my mind, but I know Jesus will provide. He's my provider. And I would try hard, but I would really be impacted by that. I can tell you, I had to grow in those seasons. And God was stretching me. And finally, there were those moments where I had just get before the Lord and say, okay, God, I give it all to you. I I have no clue how this is going to work. I have no clue how I'm going to make all this happen. Matter of fact, I'm not going to make this happen. But if I'll just trust you, you have called me for this purpose and you will see me and my family through. Can I tell you, thank God we're still here today, all right? Because God saw us through. Oh, there were moments I had to learn. I had to grow. I had to be stretched. There was moments I had to rely upon the Cherokee Nation just to help put cereal and milk on my table. And those were hard moments for me. I was very proud inside. There was all kinds of things going on inside of me during those times. But the Lord, he grew me because for me personally, I just had to learn to understand what it really means to say, God, I'm going to put my total faith in you. So for me, and I'm just sharing my story. In these times of uncertainty, in these times of unknowing, what does that look like? What does that mean, Pastor, when you say, put your faith in him? For me, I just had to get up every single day, put my mind on him, trust him, and just do what he had called me to do, not worry about anything else, and I knew that God would take care of it. If I'm doing what God wants me to do, God will take care of it. And he'll use all kinds of means. Some means I would be excited about. Other times I'd be like, this is the way we're going to do this. Right? It's kind of like that old joke, you know, the guy that was on top of the roof and the floodwaters were coming and he was crying for God to deliver him and a boat came by and a helicopter or whatever and he didn't want any of them. No, God's going to deliver me. And I think he ends up drowning because God tried, you know, but he just didn't do it the way that God wanted him to do it. However that story goes, you know what I'm talking about. Because there are times when we're, we're crying out to God and we're trusting him. He's like, all right, we're going to do this. And we're like, oh, no, no. Lord, you, we're going to go that direction? And the Lord's like, yes, we're going to go that direction. 
because this direction is later on going to help you to minister to other people that have had to go in that same direction. See, God always has this big picture in mind. So I give you a lot of extra there, okay? But I'm sharing that with you because in this season, and I don't know what all's happening in your season. I know this pandemic has impacted us all in multiple ways. The culture is impacting us in, in many different ways. And outside of that, Satan's trying to work against you. No matter where you're at and what season and what's happening right now, keep your faith intact and lean on him like you've never leaned on him before. When you find yourself leaning in that direction of doubt, that's when you say, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart. Lean not on my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him, and he is going to guide my path, right? That's what I'm going to do. Keep your faith intact as you run this race. Let it get strong. Let me give you my next thought here. It is just simply this. Although it may feel like it at times, you are not alone in the journey. I love the way the Apostle Paul is just so personal and transparent as he writes these closing words to Timothy. Paul understood better than anyone what it took to navigate through uncertainty and cross that finish line. He understood the challenges, the trials, the difficulties, and all the uncertainty. He understood the hurt and the pain that one must go through physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But he also understood the sense of accomplishment, the reward, the purpose, serving God, the peace and the joy and the victory that comes in that. As I wrap this up, there's two things that I see in this specific point that I want to share with you, two important truths to hold firm in. And the first one that Paul was saying to Timothy is, Timothy, God is faithful and he is loyal. Always. We say it often. I think I've already said it multiple times here today. He will not leave us or he will not forsake us. He goes before us. He goes behind us. He goes beside us. He is in us. His thoughts are always for us. He is faithful and loyal. There's a moment when he felt abandoned that first time around in prison. He felt like, Everyone kind of deserted him. I love his heart because in that moment, instead of having bitterness and, and just anger and frustration, instead of allowing that to get the best of him, he said in verse 16, may it not be charged against him, those who ran from him. And I also love his heart towards God because in verse number 17, he said, but the Lord stood by me. The Lord strengthened me so that I might fulfill what God has purposed me to do. He's rescued me from the lion's mouth, and he will continue to rescue me as I move forward. He's saying all that to tell Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, there are going to be days when you may feel like no one understands. You may have your friends around you, other disciples, the church, but you may feel like you're just a little bit isolated, and you may have a sense of loneliness. Can I tell you, in those moments, just be really still and know that God is always with you. I feel like I'm supposed to tell the church this morning, and I don't know who exactly it is I'm speaking to, 
You may be in a time in, your, in life right now where you've got your, your spouse beside you, your children, your friends, your peers, your church family, and you know they love you, you know they support you, and you, you probably know that if you called out to them that they would do their best to help you. But even with all that, you're struggling with this sense of loneliness within. And it could be just because of the battle that you're in. It could be just because of maybe the pressure that you feel and the stress that you feel. It could be just that there's so much upon you, you don't want to put it on someone else. So it's not that you feel like you're being deserted. It's just feel like perhaps you put yourself in that place. I need to tell you this morning that if that's you, God knows where you're at. And he's been with you in that moment every single second of that. Even if you feel like you're in your darkest hour, he has been there to be that light, to light up that path to help you get out. I love the way the Lord works because all week in all of my devotional times, I have come across scripture that says he is the light that lights up my path. He lights up my darkness. And that's what he wants to do to you this morning. If you're in a place of just loneliness and you just feel that around you, he wants to set you free from that and wants you first and foremost to know that he is there with you to lead you to the place that he wants to take you to know that. So I feel like Paul is just really pouring that into Timothy because Timothy, those days are coming. doesn't mean they'll never be there. They're coming. So you need to know that God is there. But I love the progression of the story. And I love the growth that we see in Paul. I love the growth that we see in the church and the believers' lives themselves. You see, the second thing I see here is first, of course, God is with you. But secondly, the relationships between believers, Timothy, the relationship between believers that you have is highly valuable. Before, he felt all alone, but now it's a little bit different because God has moved in a tremendous way in him and also in the church. Here's what I love about how he closed this letter and why I chose to read it to you in its entirety today. Because now he lists all these names of individuals that was with him. He mentions Luke. He mentions Crescens and Mark and Tychicus and Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus and Erastus and Trophimus and Ebulus and Pudens and, and Linus and Claudia. I'm so thankful that names have changed over the years. But think about this for a moment. We're reading from the anointed, God-breathed word. And these names were chosen to be written in our Holy Scripture. So this just isn't circumstance. It just isn't chance. Pastor Matthew, can you imagine if you were reading in Scripture or reading this letter, and here it said, oh, and by the way, say hello to Matt Bruner. If you had that and you're reading across that, you're thinking, wow, that's significant. Yes, I believe it is. For me, maybe it's just me. But I see the value in this because this alone shows the importance of these people. It shows the value of their relationship with Paul. It shows the significance of their ministry and the value of networking with one another as they navigated through the waters in which they were in. Every single one of these individuals were highly valuable. Yes, the Apostle Paul, he's writing it, and he is powerful in many ways as he works as a servant of the Lord. And yes, we know Timothy, but we need to know all of these other names as well because every single one of them was needed in order for the church to navigate through the season. 
in which they were in. So you go back and you look at the beginning of this letter, fan into the flame. He gives him this charge, preach the word, live the word, use it to correct, rebuke, teach, instruct. He is just laying it on the line of Timothy. Here's what you need to do in order to move forward to be the pastor that God has called you to be. He's speaking all this to him, and then he closes it and saying, hey, and don't forget, you're not in this alone. Because together, the church will navigate through these times. God will be glorified, and lives will be changed. Timothy, you're going to cross the finish line. I'm going to cross it, and I'm going to cross it soon. You're going to cross it someday. But just know this. We're not crossing it alone. We're not running this race alone. We're not navigating these waters alone. There is value in the church being the church. And I would say those same words to Quita Assembly. Our relationships are highly valuable. You know, I know this and you know this and we don't always understand what those relationships are going to look like. Because sometimes I think people think, oh, you're going to hang out together all the time. You're going to eat dinner all the time together. And that may happen in certain circles. But I'm talking about in the sense of we support each other. We love each other. We give. We serve. We pray. We worship. We assemble together. All of those things are important. Relationships with one another are so highly valuable. As the worship team gets ready to sing over us and we get ready to pray, I thought about just what God has done to me personally during this season, what he's done in Michelle and I. If you know me at all, you will know that I'm not the biggest fan of social media, all right? Because I've seen the negative so, so much. I let that really impact me. So just, and, and for those of you that are, I'm not coming against you. Hear me out. Just not a fan of it. Time consuming. I don't need to know every little detail that's going on in your life. And there's just certain things don't need to hear, don't want to see. And I don't, and of course, from a pastor's point of view, I've seen a lot of broken homes because of what goes on on social media. So there's a lot of reasons, in-depth reasons, why I'm not a fan of it. But that doesn't mean it's just all bad, right? Because there's a lot of good in it. So back in March, when COVID-19 really hit, we had to get creative with how we were going to continue to move forward. And in our prayers, you know, we knew that we knew we'd already talked about going online like we're doing right now. We'd already talked about that. We just didn't realize we were going to be doing it in two weeks. I remember, Carla, I will not forget the little meme that you sent me that said, and just like that, I think it was Forrest Gump. She sent me this. She said, and just like that, my pastor was a televangelist overnight or something like that. We didn't know we were going to be propelled into it with this in a few days. The Lord laid upon our heart to do that Wednesday night prayer. Sit on our front porch and just greet the people by name and just pray. Now, Michelle and I do not like to be on video. We are incredibly private. And we just, honestly, myself, and you, there's probably many of you, like, don't want to hear myself talk on video. You know what I'm talking about? You ever heard yourself on a recording, and you're thinking, who were they recording right then? The first time I heard myself preach, I thought, I sound like I'm from the backwoods of Muldrow. 
And I think I made up five new words in that 30-minute message. <laughs> Who is this guy? So a lot of reasons, you know, like you have to work against. But it just didn't seem like that was our avenue. But God said, no, this is the avenue I've called you to do. Can I tell you that Wednesday night prayer time online has become one of our favorite moments of the week. And the reason is, is because even though it's simple, it's so simple, but we're greeting one another. And you see the people from wherever they're at. Some of them are out of state. Some of them are coming in from a long ways off. Some of them are friends that we once had to be a part of us, and now they've gone to be other places. Some of them had been where relationships have been broken, and through that, relationships have been restored. There's so much that's happened, and just coming together that night, why is it so valuable to us now? Because of the relationships that are just continuing to grow in those small few moments. I think it's anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes, and then we come back a little bit later. So if you've been on there with us, awesome. If you hadn't, feel free to do so. We also have in-house prayer on Wednesday nights right here in the sanctuary. So I just share that with you because that little thing that's happened in our lives, actually big, continues to pour into me the value of as we navigate through uncertainty, we do it with God but we also do it with one another. You being here today gives strength to one another. You being here today, you may not even talk to very many people. It is so significant of us gathering. Your prayers, your worship, your support, your love, it is highly valuable to what the church is doing because we understand, you know what, as we go through this hour, and we're all going through it together. That's what I have for you today. You may see it a little bit different as you close out his letter, but I'm just so thankful that Paul got so personal. I mean, he was from the get-go, but how he brought it home in such a manner to say, Timothy, come on, let's do this. Let's get through this, and let's do this together. Man, God is good to us. I'm thankful he's put us all in each other's lives. Father, I thank you, God, for this day. I thank you, Father Lord, for this series. There's so much, Father Lord, to receive when we look at a, a book and a letter in such a manner. I pray that, Father Lord God, that as people revisit these words and that they sit on their front porch or there in their favorite chair, wherever, and they, they take on this word even deeper, I pray that, God, you'll just continue, Father Lord, to pour into their spirits, God, what they need as they navigate where they're at right now in life. I pray, Father Lord, very specifically, I pray, Father Lord God, for my brothers and sisters to be strengthened in their faith today. I pray, Father Lord, within them, their spirit, their resolve, their faith, God, just that spiritual tenacity. I pray that, Father Lord, it just keeps building and growing. And, Father Lord, that they will just continue to embrace God the truth that you've placed within their lives. Father, Lord, you know exactly where each one is at. So I pray, Father, Lord, no matter the, the intensity of, uh, of the season or the battle that they are in personally, God, in the name of Jesus, let them, God, come through it, Father, Lord, with their faith, God, just shining, God, for you. 
I pray over their hearts and their minds. I pray, Father Lord, that you would just pour into them and strengthen them. In Jesus' name. I pray, Father Lord, over their health that they would prosper. I pray over their finances that they would prosper. I pray over the atmosphere of their home, God, that it is joyful and peaceful. I pray over their relationships with one another, with their spouse, God, with their children. That, Father Lord, that there is just such a, a unity, God. That, Father Lord, as they serve you, God, not only as individuals, but as a family unit, God, they see that you are at work within their home. I pray, Father Lord, God, just over as we, God, tackle the school year and, and what is before us, God, in the weeks ahead, that in the name of Jesus, that our faith is intact, that, Father, we move forward each and every day with a sharp, focused mind because you are leading us in every step. I pray over my family in such a matter. Everyone here, everyone online, may you reach down and minister to their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed just for a moment before we sing and pray and just allow the Holy Spirit to close out this day. You're here in this service or perhaps you're online and you're listening and Without, without question, you know that God is speaking to you and he is asking you, asking you to put your complete trust in him and no longer walk alone, but choose to walk with Jesus. So you're here and you know that you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know that you need to give your life completely to him. If that's you, would you lift your hand right where you're at? Because I want to be able to pray with you. I want to know who I'm praying with. I want to invite everyone to pray with us. If that's you, would you lift up your hand real quick? Say, Pastor, I've been walking this journey way too long, and I've been doing it by myself, and I'm ready to walk with Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Any others here? Say, Pastor, I'm ready. Amen. Thank you. Thank you guys for helping me, for all in the back that's helping me. I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody else say, Pastor, man, I need that. Not because you delivered it, but because I needed what the Lord wanted to speak to me directly today, and I need to come to him. Is there any others? Any others? Praise God, church family, once again. Would you just be an encouragement and pray this prayer with me as we lead each and every one of these individuals in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Lord Jesus, I choose to walk with you. I ask you to help me each day to grow and understand what you're doing in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me, for saving me, and for guiding me. In Jesus' name, amen.